Welcome to the Sajcast. The first ever Sajcast. I'm Mark Austin. And I'm Stacey Roberts. And, and we, we are, are the Sons, Sons of, of Joy. Joy. This week's Sajcast is sponsored by, insert company name here, makers of the very finest whatever it is all over this land. Many other people make whatever it is, but you make it better. And we're not afraid to say so out loud. If you'd like to have your company name inserted here, check our website for more details. So the first question that occurs to the listeners of the Sajcast is, what is a Sajcast? Yeah, what is a Sajcast? I, I went and looked on all the various search engines in the world, and I, I didn't see a Sajcast. That's because we made it up. We invented a word. And having done so, we can now retreat in dignity with our main goal achieved. End of Sajcast. Well, that was quick. They like them short. Well, if, if we well, if we wanted to expand the Sajcast, what, what might we include in a typical Sajcast? Well, instead of the standard fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants stream-of-consciousness podcasts that are prevalent all over the internet, we've decided to break our Sajcast up into four parts for purposes of organization, uh, bringing order from chaos. And so these are what they're going to be. Current events, which is our take on things that are in the news. Reviews of things, which we mean books, movies, and other popular entertainment, TV Stuff. shows, etc. Stuff we see written on bathroom walls, t-shirts, whatever. Yes. Um, and for those of you who are still paying attention, Order from Chaos, that's what we're all about. <laughs> the next section is projects that we're working on that might be of interest to you if you find that you like our... Uh, misguided or guided ramblings. The Our projects style. that we're, yes, <laughs> the projects that we're working on um, may be of interest to you. And uh, the final, fourth and final section. Fourth and final favorite. section is food porn. Food porn, because food is important to nearly everyone, uh, not including uh, cyborgs. So if you're human, you eat. If you like food, we've got porn. <laughs> The current event of most interest to us is the most recent cannibal attack in Miami. Some people called it a zombie attack, which is unfortunately named because, as it turns out, we were working on a book about a zombie that week in South Florida. Although, equally ironically, we didn't hear the news until we were driving home. That is ironic. But the point, I guess, is is that if you're going to write a book... Part of its purpose is to inspire people, and I would say that we're off to an excellent start. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the behavior we're looking to inspire. Well, we can't really be responsible for how people interpret it. Yeah, that's true. And, and I don't think, at least in my recollection, there's nothing in our book about um, two naked men eating one another in the streets of Miami. That's true. Yeah. So it's not derivative. <laughs> not a derivative product. Apparently... Um, a mentally disturbed fellow attacked another fellow under a bridge and proceeded to eat his face, zombie style. Yes. And, yeah, so the fellow apparently, from what we understand now, was on some sort of uh, drug-induced fantasy. Uh, his brain was getting very hot, overheating sort of, and uh, in the process of that, he was crossing the MacArthur Causeway, which we've been over in our youth, it's fair to say that we were visiting Florida, but we actually used to live there for a time. Um, 
And he took off all his clothes, which apparently on the MacArthur Quasi is not a cause for any sort of concern. Right. No one stopped. No one called 911. That's just, just a naked, naked guy. That's fine. With maybe some sort of plan no, to be determined. Well, yeah, so he, uh, I guess he ran into a homeless man on the downside of the bridge. Unfortunate homeless fellow. And proceeded to attack him. And he chewed off, uh, most of his forehead, uh, all of his mid-face, and basically left the goatee down. Yeah. Saw the pictures, wasn't pleasant. Um, and the, uh, the homeless man survived, and survives still. The, um, the attacker was shot by the police. As he should be. And upon our return, everyone who knew what we were doing in South Florida, as mentioned, writing a book about zombies, believed that we were somehow responsible for this, which is almost completely irrational. Yes. Very much so. Our, our book is more about... Well, it's a different kind of zombie. It's about the, the positive upswing of being a zombie... And why you can make, I don't know, zombie lemonade out of lemons. Interesting. But this is not food porn, so we'll move on. To project updates. Zombie lemonade is not in the food porn section, just in case you're hanging around for that. Yes. There's other stuff in food porn, not zombie lemonade. Equally good. So projects we're working on, and this will come out of the blue, but we are writing a book about zombies. I think I've heard that. Recently. And we decided to take a standard writer's approach to getting a project done. Lock yourself in a hotel room far, far away from your lawn, your pool, everything else that you have to maintain and do chores for, and just get the book written. It requires lots of caffeine, lots of vitamins, and lots of food, which we'll cover later. And hydration. Don't forget the hydration. you got to stay hydrated. If you're going to work 16 hours a day writing a book... You gotta make sure you can pee regularly. I guess it's worth maybe rolling back a little and, and mentioning that we, this isn't really the first book we've written. And, uh, the first time we decided to write something together was back in, well, when I met you, it was what, 83? 84. Somewhere in there. Freshman year, uh, for the class of 84. Where we, yeah, so you were working on a book about about semiconductors, if I remember correctly. It was a book about computers. And prophetically enough, we are both in the IT business. That's that how prophetic. we make our fortune. So, Yes, I, I distinctly remember the the, uh, the protagonist stacking a number of what were probably, what, 8086s or 286s? You know... Welding I, them all together and... It, Supercomputer was built. I was never really clear on the technology. I was just <laughs> trying to get people to believe it and then go from there. Much like our zombie book, you know, if you can wrap your head around the possibility that one guy can eat another guy's face, you bought the premise of a zombie book. And so, as we may have mentioned, that kind of stuff happens. So anyway... Um, yeah, well, we were... So, uh, yeah, we sort of became friends in high school... We uh, had some collaborative writing projects towards the end of high school, and uh, we had our first story published in 88. Is that right? 90. 90? Yes. Was it? Oh, it was two years later. It we wrote it later. in the summer. We wrote it in the summer, and yeah. it was... Submitted it, it to a contest. A contest. It yeah. won a national contest, and it beat out 
their standard winner. Yes. The people who won that contest every year since the contest was invented. Yes. They were very disappointed. Go ahead and bing it. Google it. Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, so that was our first story. It was our first effort at collaboration. And comparatively speaking, it hit pretty big for uh, us. It was about blood. It was actually, about wasn't blood. it? That's a bit of irony, too. So we figured that our lives could be spent spitting yarns and writing them down and have other people read them and supply us with a stipend that would account for all of our daily expenses. That did not work. Life, as they say, intervened. In a big way. And in case the interventions are listening, we love our children. And... They are the intervention that sort of threw us off our course, but it was definitely worthwhile. And having learned a great deal from those children, we are now back doing it full time. Well, and I would say the original intervention, although all of, you know, there's a lot of girls in the children department, but there were actually women that were the original intervention, both of which are fall into the uh, X category. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the X spouse. That is something to be remarked upon, is that if you're going to have an intervention, why not make it temporary and fleeting and over <laughs> so that you can look back on it and go, what was I thinking? So anyway, yeah, life intervened. We, uh, we, both, we both majored in English literature in the, uh, in the underground world. Mm-hmm. And then we both found ourselves in the IT world after that. Well, uh, though we, not necessarily directly. Right. I mean, we found out, like most of you listeners know, it, you need money to buy things. Oh, yeah. And so to our generation, IT came along as the way to do it. Oh, yeah. And I imagine that every generation has their corresponding thing. It's, it's like, like plastic in right. The Graduate. Yeah, yeah it's like the, um, the greatest generation in a world war. The GI Bill. It's how you made your money. If, uh, my grandmother was always fond of saying, well, if you're a schmuck and incompetent, why don't you join the volunteer army? <laughs> and so in our case, it's if you can't do anything else, maybe you should get into the technology. And here we are. Yeah, that was a long time ago, it seems like. You know, in those days, the, uh, the stereotypical Dorito-eating, Diet Coke-drinking, you know, I was guy. Joe Cola. Yeah, jump pole, yeah. But uh, anyway, that, that, that's all past. Um, but along the way, we didn't give up the dream, right? We, we kept at it. Yep. And so we've, uh, we've managed to create a, a couple of books along the way. Um, and I think somewhere along the line, we realized that our lives were sort of interfering with our ability to create. And so we came up with this model of leaving, uh, going where there was little or no cell signal, and creating. And so we've done this, uh, let's see, uh, Oxford, Mississippi. We spent yes. a week there once. Yeah. Florida oh. keeps recurring because we know people there where we can stay and yeah. things like that. We know um, our way around the streets pretty well. Yeah. We know where to get food. And we spent a week in Tallahassee. We spent a week in Tallahassee where we went to college. Yes. And we went a, we spent a week in Oxford, Mississippi where other people have gone to college, <laughs> not us. Not us. And most recently, we went back to Florida uh, to combine the writing trip with my goddaughter's graduation. Who is, uh, interestingly enough, my actual daughter. Yes, they know who they are. 
And um, so by combining that trip, we, uh, if nothing else, eliminated the possibility of any of it being tax deductible for business <laughs> because we were there for personal reasons. And um, we had to lie to our loved ones and tell them that we were not where we said we were. And we were not doing what we thought we were doing. So if you're listening now, how the hell did you find this podcast? The Sajcast. Well, well, sorry if you found it. Yes. It was only a few days. And as Winston Churchill said, it's a small lie and a good cause. It was. So anyway, that's, uh, I guess that's our current events. There was a cannibal attack. We were in South Florida. We kind of explained why we we're in South Florida. And there is a book which we're not going to spend any more time talking about, right? But in but in future current events, one of the things that's going on this year is that Barack Obama apparently is reapplying for the job, and that will probably provide us with lots of fodder for current events. So yep. stay tuned to that. Okay, so that theme means it's time for reviews. So books, movies, uh, podcasts, comic books, interesting graffiti, things written on the back of people's shirts. I don't know. Anything. Things that got our attention long enough for us to comment on them, mostly to each other, and now to you. So one of the things that we do as writers is we review other books, which is our way of, you know, mocking those we feel to be less talented and burying the jealousy we feel for those who are more talented. It's really just kind of a self-punishing activity. But we do it, and so here we go. Yeah, because I, I thought I saw on the Twitter that uh, the uh, the Z-word mentioned that you had a review on that very yes. fine zombie website. Yes, Z-word is a very fine avatar, and his website is very interesting. It is... Zombie-themed, which is a particular interest to us at this time. Yeah, and we highly recommend you visit that site. Um, if you go this month, the banner ad is for Zombie Guy. That's with an X and O-M-B and two E's, uh, which we'll talk about later, but also happens to be one of our creations. Big secret. We'll get to it. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. So, Zedward... It was looking for people to review books, and we offered up our services, and he sent the first of many reviews, which is Locked In by Thea Isis Gregory. It's part of a series called Zombie Bedtime Stories. You, uh, you, I'm looking on the site right now, you gave it three Z-heads. Yes, I gave it three Z-heads because the three Z-head rating means that it's a great idea that is not executed well. And if I had to describe this story, that's pretty much it. The idea is good. It tells the story of a medical professional, paramedic, who is attacked by a zombie, becomes a zombie, and then does what all good zombies do, which is kill your loved ones, kill your neighbor, join a horde of zombies, and attack until you are killed by the authorities, who are mostly faceless and have flamethrowers. Yeah, I, I say I, I read this story as well uh, when I applied for the position of uh, guest reviewer. Uh, you beat me to the review, so uh, there you're up on the website. 
But, um, yeah, I sort of agree with that overall. It was the, uh, it was nice to see, um, the transformation and the zombies point of view. And really when I, when I read it, I was thinking, hey, this could be, you know, Kafka's The Metamorphosis. Right. It could be, hey, the great transformation, except it was 11 pages long or something. Right. And it was, it was told from the perspective of somebody who is a normal person locked inside a zombie body. So she can't eat cookies. She can't eat pickles. She craves human flesh. But during the transformation, she tries to eat other things. It goes badly. And those are some of the best parts is yeah. she tries to eat a cookie and it's disgusting to her. She and likes the meat on the pizza, she and she doesn't that. normally eat the meat pizza. Right. And so um, becoming a zombie means that cookies don't taste good anymore. <laughs> and I'm not sure that that's something that zombie literature has dealt with in great detail. The things that you lose by coming a, becoming a zombie. And so apparently near the top of the list is chocolate chip cookies, followed closely by your significant other. Yeah. Because zombies tend to kill those who are close by. Um, like the unfortunate man under the bridge, he just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And when it comes to zombies... <laughs> he was dating the wrong gal at the right time. Yes. So, um, so that's essentially what happens. She becomes a zombie, and it seems like against her will... She begins her zombie rampage. Yeah, that's the whole locked in. So right. she she's sort of trapped looking out the eyes, but she can't control the appendages. And, and she can't resist the urgings of being a zombie. And what's good about this, the, the theme that goes through the whole story, is betrayal. Uh, the person who infects her is somebody that she knows and tries to help. She's yeah. a She's a paramedic. And so in the course of doing her job, which is at least in part altruistic, she's betrayed and she becomes a zombie. And then she follows that up by betraying her boyfriend and ripping out his throat. And then there's the kindly neighbor who made her the cookies, which would have been quite good if she wasn't a zombie. And she betrays her by killing her. So it's a nice layered betrayal story. Those are the good parts. Yeah, I mean, the writing fell a bit flat. Uh, characters were a bit flat. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't the best writing around, but, but zombie fiction rarely is. But it should be better. I think the point that we're trying to make in doing these reviews is that regardless of your topic, quality has to be in there. Yeah. You, anybody can come up with a great idea. I'm sure it happens all the time, but turning it into a deliverable well-constructed, well-told story is not easy. It's not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart. And in this particular case, the brilliance of the idea was completely lost by the amateurish writing and the flat characters. There was only one character in the story that I cared about, and that was Frank, the the paramedic, and nothing happened to him. Yeah. What I want in a good zombie story is the characters that I care about, I want them to die horribly, <laughs> killed by a zombie. That's what they're there for. Yes. You love this guy, and now he's going to get consumed by this rampaging zombie. And so in this story, the author did a number of things that were just wrong. And according to Zedward's ranking system, 
it falls very neatly into as if this category was made for this story. <laughs> good idea, badly executed. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I think uh, I was really hoping, I was struggling with why it was 11 pages and why it wasn't, you know, 60. Uh, it seemed like, uh, and I know this is a pet peeve of both of ours, is you can you can read a short story or a novel or whatever, and you can have the sentence that she was a lonely woman. Or you can say, you know, she was a woman who was sitting at her desk, and her desk had six pictures of cats. It's the same cat from different angles, and it says, I love putty. That tells me she's a lonely, lonely woman. No no children on the desk, no loved ones, it's just the cat, right? So there's there's different ways of approaching that, and uh, I guess if you're going to stick to an 11-page format, uh, you're going to have to skip some of the, the better bits. Yeah, that's true, but... What I kept writing in the margins is, and margin notes are the meat of a book review, but I kept writing, show me, don't yes. tell me. Yes. You can tell me that she was terrified. You can tell me that her heart fluttered in her chest. You can tell me that fear shot through her veins. I want to see her lose control of her bladder. Yes. I want to see her pee her pants. I want to see her weeping uncontrollably. I want to see shaking and tremors and sweat. And pulling at her hair and all the things that people do when they're scared. If you tell me that she's terrified and she's just sitting in a chair with her legs crossed, I don't believe it. Yeah. And then that makes me not care. Right on. And um, the next thing I want to talk about is a particular passion of mine. After I got my degree in literature, I went and got a master's degree in history, which is a kind of a funny story. In itself. It's a good use of your time. Yes. Um <laughs> On the list of things that wasted my time and kept me from doing whatever my life's work was, that was one of them. But I was flipping through the channels, and I it occurred to me that I don't watch the History Channel anymore like I used to, which, if you have a master's degree in history, is a betrayal. And so I was flip I said, well, let's go back to the History Channel and see if they've moved away from reality TV, like American Pickers and... And Pawn Stars. Didn't, and weren't they supposed to have the Hatfields and McCoys this week? Yeah, well, that was that, that piqued my interest was because mm -hmm. I wanted to actually see that. But I can't get past the the reality TV. It's yeah. like when MTV quit playing music. music so yeah. so I, I went back, and as I was flipping through the channels, I got to the History Channel, and there was the National History Bee. And like a I, spelling bee. Like a spelling bee, but only with history. And so I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> and lucky for everyone, I didn't. So here's what we got. First of all, Al Roker is the guy asking the questions. He is the guy making dumb jokes. The he weather is guy. the guy, huh? The weather guy from the morning the weather, shows. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy who's making references to events that happened even before these kids' grandparents were born. <laughs> And so these kids who know everything about history sometimes are looking at Al Roker like he fell off a truck and he did. Yeah, Al Roker seems like an odd cast. He's an odd, that. very odd. We'd rather have uh, Wilford Brimley or somebody like that. Somebody imbued with the spirit of history. Walter Cronkite. That's right. Um, but maybe somebody alive. Oh, well, that'd be that, good that'd too. That'd be helpful. <laughs> but also up in the, the balcony were these two guys who were also doing periodic running commentary, and they reminded me most of the Balcony Muppets from The Muppet Show. 
They, the, they cur- made, the curmudgeonly the guys. Curmudgeon, yeah, 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 curmudgeonly Muppets. They made jokes that didn't make sense. They played <laughs> off each other. Like, they were finishing conversations that, between themselves that they'd been having right. while the kids were answering history questions. And so then we move on to the unfortunate contestants themselves. There's one guy, one guy who is a Renaissance man, and he he turned boy. out to a Renaissance boy, thing. Renaissance <laughs> boy, because um, they're all eighth graders. And this is a kid who's third degree black belt. He plays the flute. He, um, you know, he likes to travel, and uh, he does woodworking and beekeeping and all manner of other things. And he also happens to know a whole lot about history, and not just the military parts that we're all fond of. And what Winston Churchill had for lunch in the Argonne Forest. He knows stuff about art and sports and music historically. And it was very fun to watch. His competitors all had lisps, club feet. Um, <laughs> there was something wrong with every single one of them. And there was one guy who hit the geek trifecta. He had an, a lower jaw that stuck out in front of his face, uh, matched only by his gigantic protruding forehead. He looked like he'd been put together in a lab. And so every time they answer a question or even get one wrong, the camera goes to their parents in the audience. And so some of the parents are looking at their kids going, well done. I mean, I know it's history. I know we're not up here kicking anybody's butt. We're not, we're not really doing anything that you can go back home and tell your buddies about. But then there were some parents looking at their kids going, oh dear Lord. He's never going to get laid. Ever. <laughs> Winning the history bee isn't going to help. We're sure they're fine human beings. We are. We they're, are. they're an asset to our, our community. And, and to be clear, they are of my tribe. They are history people. Yes. And so I applaud their interest, but I think that it would be important, much like I did in my youth, to concentrate on the wider world and how to be successful in it. So I also can't resist answering the questions right along with the little kids. (laughs) Now, much like book reviews, as I described, there are some things that I knew right away, and there are some things I didn't know right away, and there were things that they knew that I didn't. Well, you got to know how that makes me crazy. So, (laughs) But it was a lot of fun, and the kid who, the Renaissance boy, won a $50,000 scholarship. Of course. And, um... Well, and he will get laid. He'll donate it to orphans or something. Yes. But now that he's been on TV, I think he's got a bright future. And the cool thing about him is that he had a lot of serenity for a kid his age. He wasn't bragging. When he won, he was gracious to the kid that he beat, that he beat by seven points out of ten. So it was a slaughter. It's the flute playing. I think that comes to mind. And, and so Al Roker, Set him up for a, so what do you think of your competition? Which would have been a perfect time for the kid to say, oh, I smoked his ass. I left him in the dust. He looks like Loki after being ragdolled by the Hulk. (laughs) But he didn't. He didn't say any of that. He said, all my competitors were worthy. And so I think that if we could throw Joe Biden off the ticket and put this kid on, then we'd have something. We may have to wait another year. Or two. Yeah. It reminds me of the, the brain bowls of our, our oh. high school competitions. 
which we're, we're more well-rounded, you know, if, yeah. if you've never seen a Bramble, well, don't, probably. No, <laughs> not, not riveting. Uh, but it was more of a, you know, across the board, so there was art questions, history questions, math questions, science yeah, it questions. A, it was a game of Trivial Pursuit. Across the academic spectrum. Across the academic spectrum. And unlike these kids in the History Bee, we were using the Brain Bowl, at least in part, to get close to really hot, smart chicks. Yes. Yes, we were. Spoiler now, alert, it didn't work. Well, I mean, we got close to them. Yes. We we achieved proximity, yes. shall we say. But you, uh, Oh, smart, smart, hot chicks? You know who you are. Yes, they know who they are. And in retrospect, this is why class reunions are important, because you go back to these things 20 years later, and you say, remember the Brain Bowl, 1987? <laughs> We had hors d'oeuvres after the competition, after which, by the way, our team came in second. Yes. You remember the name of the team? Because it just occurred to me. No. It was a priori. Nerd. Okay. So, at the reunion, I said to one of these hot, smart chicks, um, you know, haha. Back then, I was really trying to, you know. Get your attention. Get your attention and all that that implies. And she said, oh, you got my attention. I'm not sure why you quit so early and went back to your room. And huh. that is the uh, the metaphorical kick in the nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. With a 20-year time delay fuse. <laughs> Just the way we like it. <laughs> so that is why I don't recommend that you go to reunions. Or brain bowls. <laughs> well, no. Because brain bowls, as we learned... Decades later are effective in accomplishing two things. One, extracurricular activities to enhance our college preparation. True. Okay. And to get close to hot, willing, smart chicks. The trick is, and you know I'm talking to you fellas, guys who did not win the history bee last night. It can work. Try harder. Don't give up. This is your message of inspiration from the Sajcast. Don't, don't give up. Give up. <laughs> you can get them. Not you, jaw and forehead guy, but the other kid. You know who you are. Well, and hey, forehead guy, have confidence. That's important. You don't know it at your age, but we've heard it again and again in our old graying years that confidence matters. And also, as an equal opportunity public service statement, we should say to the girls who are hanging out, at the, the Brain Bowl, trying to meet the reasonably attractive nerdy boys. Well done. <laughs> Keep Thank up the good work. Support. Without you, there would be no Brain Bowl. <laughs> <sighs> oh, what's that sound? Does that mean it's time for food porn? Food porn. Food porn. We should probably mention or explain why we've got a food porn section. Yes, I think we should. Here's how it works. When we were children, we survived by eating. <laughs> As most children do. Ah, but ours was a little different. Our parents could not cook. They prepared food as if we had been bad all day long. <laughs> and dinner time was where the bill came due. Yes. I mean, Just, I was, I have to say, I did look forward to public school breakfasts and lunches much more so than dinner. Right. And no offense to the mom. Right. My mother 
couldn't cook at all. She was fond of spices nobody ever heard of. She would overcook things to death. And she thought that the freezer was like a time machine. That you could take any bit of food, put it in the freezer, haul it out a week later, put it on the table intact, and say, why aren't you eating it? <laughs> so, we achieved, at a certain age, mobility. Yes. Financing. Yes. And we used our resources almost immediately to feed ourselves so that we would not die. Yeah, so to tie all this together, you know, we went to the Brain Bowl. We didn't do as well as we might have thought. Take that however you will. Uh, so we had a car, we had money, and we ate. Yes, and so here's... <laughs> and this is a life lesson that we didn't want to teach our children, but basically, if things don't work out with a smart hot chick, there's always drive through tacos. Yeah, that's not a good life lesson. I retract the previously mentioned life lesson. I would like it stricken from the transcript and removed from the Sajcast. Yes, Sajcast cleaned that right off. Yes, you will not hear it. So anyway, yeah, growing up, uh, let's just say our our food palette was less than stellar. Right. Um, and we got out on our own. This is, um, you know, at the end of high school and into college, this was the days before there was a food network. But PBS even would have yeah. shows like, uh, was it How to Boil Water? How to Boil Water. And the... Uh, Justin, uh, the chef. Uh, the the Frugal Gourmet. Frugal Gourmet, yeah. But uh, what was Justin's show? Justin Wilson. Yeah, a Little Wine for Justin, Little yeah. Wine for the... He soup. was a Cajun cook. Yeah, I forget the title. Uh, and there was also Yan Can Cook, the Chinese Oh, guy. Yan Can Cook. And uh, hot Walk Cold Oil, Food Won't Stick. That's right. <laughs> Little Tips... And, by the way, when he was done, we got to witness food being prepared by somebody competent and a whole crowd of people willing to eat it when he was done. Yeah. Which was nothing like our childhood. So, uh, the other, the other nifty thing about the way we discovered food once we got into college is the finances, as previously mentioned, diminished dramatically. Yes. We were broke. Yeah, Most I mean, it's time. safe to say in high school, um, we had jobs that, uh, paid for the car and the gas, but this is in the era of, you know, sub dollar gas. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we had reasonably good paying jobs for our station in life, and right. we had enough change at the end of the week to buy food. Right. And so it was easy, and we imagined, like we always do, like when we wrote that story and it won a national contest and it got published, we said, aha. We will simply do this that worked over and over. <laughs> Rinse and repeat of life management. Not so much because in college, we didn't have any free money. It all went for tuition, books, things we don't have anymore. Yeah. So we discovered how to eat cheap. Yeah, and, and by we, we, we do mean us, because we went to Florida State together, so for, at least for our AA, so for two years, we were in Tallahassee as roommates, um, and the first year, we lived, uh, completely alone, we had some extra roommates, which we might talk about in some future Sajcast. I just don't know what category to put them in. <laughs> yeah. But they'll, they'll come up. Yeah, roommate reviews. <laughs> yeah, because, we we live by anecdotes. We like to tell people about things that happened, like now. So we were in college, and I think our food budget might have been about twenty dollars a week. Yeah, and so we bought 
the cheap stuff. We bought pasta and ramen noodles and all yes. the classics. We invented dishes like taco surprise. Taco surprise. Layer of nachos, layer of meat, layer of nachos, layer of cheese, layer of nachos. And if you're not paying attention, the cheapest part was the nachos. Simple. Yeah. So most meals that we ate cost between two and three dollars tops. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, I mean, the ramen noodles is, is I'm sure still a staple of college students everywhere. Yes. And I remember, uh, Geology 101, Rocks for Jocks was on Monday nights mm-hmm. and, uh, well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, presumably. But, uh, I remember leaving on Mondays. And at some point during the semester, we got in the habit of throwing a pot of spaghetti on before we left for geology. And, uh, we lived off campus, not especially far behind, yeah. uh, behind the president's house. Behind the president's house, yeah, a couple blocks to get to campus and then wherever geology was. Although well, we, mostly because we had a detour around the president's house. Yes. Yeah, so if we could have cut them through, it would have been, that bigger. would have saved it, but it made a half mile walk into a mile and a half. Yeah. And although geology, I think, was actually pretty close to the line, yeah. so that wasn't too far into campus at the time. Uh, but the point was that we'd bring water to a rolling boil and throw a package of spaghetti in there, uh, lit it, turn it off, and go to geology. And when we came back, we would find uh, what we now look back to somewhat affectionately as a, a spaghetti log. Um, which is, you know, a single strand of spaghetti that's coming back as big as any magic marker you've ever used. Even bigger, you know, half an inch around. You could slice it with a knife and water would just kind of jettison out because it was a sponge of spaghetti and water. And ironically, we left something to process over time under pressure, which is something we learned in geology. (laughs) Education, not wasted. Remember that. Yeah, so anyway, that would make spaghetti go quite a long ways. Um, you were full in a kind of my belly swishing around sort yes. of way, but you'd be full. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so the food budget went to get food. And I think the first semester we actually had a car and then we lost it. Yeah, which is a whole nother. Well, and, and, and we can't make it sound like we had a car and then misplaced it to the mm-hmm. point we didn't have it anymore. When we were kids, our cars would break down and sometimes die. And Weekly. we didn't get them back. Yeah, every week. Every week. So we would drive, like the first semester, we drove halfway to Florida State in your car, and it died. Yeah, and so to put that in reference for everybody, if you're not from Florida, we were from South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood area. And we were driving to Tallahassee, which is a reasonably eight-hour drive. Yep. And so we were four or five hours into the drive, and the car craps out. Yep. So this is the age before cell phones, um, and you had to wait for someone to bring you help. And at that point, we were, I guess, exceedingly lucky because that was Fort Pierce? Fort Pierce. Yeah, so Fort Pierce, we were actually at the exit. There were, uh, you know, restaurants. There was a McDonald's there. There was a McDonald's there. we hold up in. Yeah, and we actually abandoned the car in the McDonald's parking lot. Uh, much to the state's dismay, I believe there were letters mailed months later. We would be delighted if it was still there, but it's <laughs> the McDonald's so, might be still the there. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we basically tried again. We got a different car. Yeah. Well, didn't Lane bring the van up? No, it was a different. A time. different trip. <laughs> we different had a lot of breakdowns. Yeah, a lot of breakdowns. But I think we went up in. Uh, well, we had a car. I think. I think we did. Yeah. Okay. So. 
so what we did was our classic week was Monday spaghetti logs and Tuesday might have been taco surprise and Wednesday was something else and around mid Thursday when the money ran out we stopped eating. Yeah. Because <laughs> Friday night was the Viking plunder of Tallahassee. Indeed. Because the mistake that college towns make is they build a lot of buffets. And near campus. Near campus. And we were near campus. We right were. behind the president's house. And we just, yeah, just kitty corner from there was the house of sin. And to draw a historical analogy, which I may fall into from time to time, it's like inviting the Goths to come in across the Danube and live in your little empire because nothing bad could really come from that. What could possibly go wrong? That's right. And so we were cheek by jowl with the Chinese buffet and because we always kill two birds with one stone, it wasn't that we were going to go fill gigantic empty bellies. We were going to eat our vegetables. Yes. And, and so we learned early that vegetables kept us uh, alive. <laughs> yes. And, and beat back on things like scurvy, pellagra, rickets, very, yes. very, and all the diseases that got wiped out by good nutrition back when Eisenhower was president. But they made their reappearance when we were in college, and we were afraid of them, and we oh, thought, yeah. vegetables. Rightly so. Yeah, Chinese vegetables. And so, as we are often prone to do, even now, we tell people, we did not go and eat our own weight worth of food. <laughs> we got a nutritionally balanced meal with a heavy preponderance of vegetables. And they say, well, vegetables. That's okay then. And we get away with it. <laughs> so, when we went to the Chinese buffet and ate our weight in food, we did at least make the argument that there were vegetables. So the buffet, Friday night, the lunch buffet was four dollars, three ninety-five. Yeah. Right? But you had to get in the door before four o'clock. Yes. And so if you got in the door a minute to four, you paid three dollars and ninety-five cents, and then a minute later, the dinner buffet kicked in, which was a dollar more. It was. And so we basically made the people who own that restaurant cry. Yeah, hate life. In Mandarin. They're yes. very sad. And we became experts in Chinese food. Oh, yeah. We had our favorites. And, um... I mean, to this day, have you ever had General Chow's chicken as good as that? No, no, no. I mean, everything about it was just better. It was. And being being that, starving is probably <laughs> something to do with it. Right. And so, um, after a while, we started to feel bad about plundering the Chinese buffet. And so we tell other people, uh, hefty fat guys, and say, hey, we're going to the Chinese buffet at a minute to four on Friday night. Why don't you come with us? Because they were effective camouflage. Yes. But the problem was, we ate four times as much as they did. Well, yeah, I mean, the only real corollary we found, although it wasn't at the House of Sin so much, uh, it was more at Shoney's, but we were in the category of the Florida State football team in terms of eating prowess. Yes. Sadly. I don't know if that's something to be proud of, but, um, yeah, we, we put away quite a bit of food, uh, and, uh, we, I guess we can segue a bit into the, Later in the year, we, uh, I think we gave the House of Sin a bit of a break. Yeah. Because we discovered Gumby's. Gumby's, ah, yes. Gumby's is a 
pizza place loosely modeled on the cartoon character made of clay in no way at all. And it was just a funny name. It, it was, was a funny name. I mean, they had a picture of Gumby on the, right. the box. They were in yeah. violation of all kinds of trademarks and yeah, copyrights. Certain, yeah. But no one cared because yeah. the pizzas were great. And our new Friday night turned into the double damn it. Yeah, the double double damn it. Well, you can never have too many. And what this was is a 20-inch square pizza. What, right, round, but yes. Was a, it round? It was a round pizza, but 20 inches. 20 inches around. It's a, that's a ridiculous... 20 inches is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. But when you're starving, it's like winning the lottery. And not only was it 20 inches around, but they put everything they had on it. Everything. Everything. Ham, beef, chicken, pineapples... Olives, yeah, olives, nine yards, onions, everything, everything. It was the everything topping pizza. Yeah, because there was the damn it, which was I think a twenty inch regular, and then there was the double damn it that had a whole bunch of crap on it, and then there was the double double damn it that just had everything. It had everything. It weighed a lot. It did. It it had to have. I mean, the the first time I had ever seen those uh, little tables that they put on a pizza to keep the box from collapsing on it. It was it was that size. It was that. Yeah, it was huge. So. We would get that and a Pepperidge Farm cake. Yeah, so it bears mentioning that we were planners. Oh, yeah. Uh, Some people would say we still are, but... (laughs) It's important to plan ahead. Life lesson that you can actually keep. Yeah, this one we won't edit from... (laughs) No redaction of this life lesson. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Measure twice, cut once, and all that good stuff. So, in our scrimping and saving, we would manage to put aside enough money for a Pepperidge Farm uh, chocolate... It was a fudge... Yeah, cake with a cake. vanilla, no, or a yellow, a yellow, yellow cake, cake with chocolate, chocolate ice. and the icing. chocolate icing was the kind that would come off in a sheet. In a sheet, yeah. Icing like is dry a very ice. loose term. Yeah, <laughs> icing is a loose term. This was a slab laid over top the cake, a Hershey bar, if, yeah, you, will. if you will. Right, but you couldn't eat the cake without it because yeah. the cake itself was so dry. Yes, that, you know. And of course, we say that now, like we have standards. Back then, we were starving to death. And this was, not to put too fine a point on it, cake. Think about it. Yes. Let them eat double-double damnets and cake. And cake. And so, when it came to what kind of what kind of cookery did we have? What sort of implements do we have in the drawer? For Friday night, we needed a knife. A knife. Yeah, we were very, uh, what's the word, uh, democratic about this. Because we had one thing... That we would slice in half, and another thing that we would slice, slice in half. half. And so yeah, there wasn't a there wasn't this model of taking a piece and going back. So I guess it, it bears explaining that we were in a studio at this point. Right. So this is a no bedroom apartment. Right. Beds, one bed against each far wall, and a giant table in the middle where we ate, did homework. Everything else. Yeah, there was a narrow passage to the bathroom on one side and a narrow passage to the kitchen area. Kitchen on the other. And that was it. You could, you could open the door and then close it almost all the way and still see the whole thing. Oh yeah. Very small. So the pizza went on the table in the place of honor next to the pepperidge farm cake and then it was, bring out the knife! Yes. And we cut it in half in a ceremony, not unlike a Catholic mass. But nothing at all like a Catholic Mass for those of you with those sorts of sensibilities. It was like a Catholic Mass in every way except all of them. We uh, divided the food. Devout, you know, devotion. There was a sincere 
uh, belief and value system. And there was a sense that we were saving something, only in this case, it was our lives from starvation. And, and, and because it was, uh, I was raised Catholic, and so at the same time, you were saving something and sinning. <laughs> it was sacrilegious, really. Yes, sacrilegious. That's the best thing. It's, 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 for those of you paying close attention, going to the Brain Bowl in pursuit of higher education, but while there, taking a detour into the adolescent panties of our hot smart chicks, it's kind of like getting food and dividing it up. <laughs> it achieves more than one thing. For those of you who like noble purpose, there's noble purpose. We are sharing our food to save our lives. Yes. For those of you who prefer more baser exploits, it was a pizza that they put everything on, followed by cake. Yep. And uh, a water bottle. So Seven. there was, there was a gallon bottle. jug, as I recall. Yeah. And so the way the room was set up was there was a bed on either side, um, and you were on the left, as I recall, yep. uh, as you came in, and I was on the right. And so there was maybe eight feet separating us, eight ten feet. feet, something like that. Yeah. And we would literally sit in the bed and just slide the water bottle from one bed to the other. And that's because because we're great students of nutrition and what it takes to keep a human being alive. One of the legends going around campus the first year we were there yeah. was the guy in the honors dorm who was working on his master's thesis for an entire semester and ate nothing but pizza, pizza yeah. and got sodium poisoning. Yes. I don't remember if he died. They said he died. That was they the, died. That was the right. legend. Well, that was the, the urban legend. And we, being storytellers, we said, well, what's next? Is this guy haunting campus? <laughs> Does he ride in the back seat of anyone who delivers a pizza? As a warning, you know, a, a Dickensian kind of ghost of pizza future. No, he died. He got sodium poisoning because he couldn't eat a banana. Yeah, get a banana. Right. And so we were wondering, did you not have a mother who forced <laughs> things on you like chewable vitamins and disgusting root vegetables? No? Okay. Apparently not. Or in rebellion, you said pizza. And what do you want with that? On the side? Nothing. Well, I, and I have to wonder, having never really uh, taken any deep look at the at the urban legend, if if this was a toppingless pizza, because our pizza had everything. I mean, there was multivitamins on that. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. We we pulled the pineapple, as I recall, um, because we just couldn't abide the thought of a pizza with pineapple. It was still early in the people putting pineapple on yeah, pizza days. And we we didn't want to pollute our pristine anatomy with fruit. Yeah, not in a pizza form. No, no. So, yeah, I had to wonder if, you know, if he had, you know, uh, green peppers, if that wouldn't have maybe, or maybe that's why it stretched out for a full semester. Right. I mean, it's possible, but, uh, you know, I think there, it's a lot like, um, a football player who goes from high school to the NFL. All of a sudden, he goes from being broke to having $50 million. Yeah. And then we wonder why he spends it all. And I think this kid in the honors dorm was, People will bring pizza to my door, and then I could eat it. I like pepperoni and extra cheese, so I shall get that day in and day out, and everything will be fine. Yeah, and there is a sense, I mean, even to this day, I think we have, uh, you know, if we could just sit here and, and keep up our great works, and people could bring us nutrients, 
Hmm? Now, the, the key there is nutrients as opposed to simply, you know. Yes, I mean, pizza. because we crave a caretaker above all else. <laughs> we want, we, here's why I would like to be president of the United States because <laughs> you go to bed in a bed that somebody else made for you. You wake up in the morning and your clothes are laid out, your shoes are shined, everything's put into place. All you gotta do is show up and you get to, your schedule's all arranged for you. If you have to go somewhere, there's a plane, a helicopter, and a jet. It's the ultimate show up and throw up. Right. And so, in pursuit of our great works, all we really want is somebody who will not remind us to eat, because out of some sort of animal instinct that we developed early on, we know when it's time to eat. We've got that nailed down. The question is, bring us something that won't, through repeated application, result in our deaths. (laughs) And so we had to do this for ourselves in college. And let's be clear, we have to do it for ourselves now. But the defense that comes from putting everything on the pizza, somewhere in there, you're going to get all the nutrients that you need. Oh, yeah. And we did. Because if you're paying close attention to the Sajcast, we did not, in fact, die. (laughs) Seemingly so. Seemingly so. Or this is a zombie sash. And so we put that in the win column. We <laughs> did not die. Because we know that somewhere at Florida State, in the dark mist of its past, somebody died from not eating properly. And so, 20 years later, 25 years later... <clears throat> <clears throat> that manifests in a section of the Sajcast called Food Porn. Food porn. And so, here we are. The, being in the IT, which is, uh, it pays well. Um, it pays well, uh, not necessarily in the rewarding of talent, uh, also like porn. And so, we have money, and we can use it to buy food, and then we can tell you about it. And we'll continue to do that in the future Sajcast. But looking at the uh, clock here, we've come to the end of our hour, and uh, so we've come to the end of the first Sajcast. We hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, the fine people at Insert Company Name Here. They and make the best stuff. They make it better than so many other people. We recommend that you go to their insertnameofwebsite.com and uh, use their e-commerce site to buy whatever it is they make. They probably have uh, given you some sort of e-coupon to help you with that purchase. So anyway, this is the Sajcast signing off. <laughs> <laughs>